Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. I am Bo, Johnny on the other end. Urban Meyer was asked a question, my friend. I believe it was at today's availability. I believe it was by Rob Aller at the Dispatch. And he asked the question, do, because of the standard you've set, do can you possibly enjoy this? In other <laughs> words, can being good to great, is that good enough? I mean, they're 9-1. and one. They can win the Big Ten. They can beat Michigan. They can still make the playoff. I think it's a pretty good chance that they will if they do win out, whether they deserve it or not is another question. Um, but because of the standard that he has set, and Urban answered, he said, well, that's the Ohio State standard. And I asked this question to James today on the radio show, Lauren Edison, and he said that the, the standard is different now. And I think he's right. And, and I think it all changed in 2014. Um, and it, it, with, with that win over Alabama, the expectation then became, well, let's win a national championship every year. Alabama does that. And right. that's a dangerous thing. And I think... Um, you know, so what, what ends up happening is, is we have these seasons that start to stack up 15, 16, 17, 18, that in a vacuum are all incredible seasons in the history of the program, but because they're judged up against an impossible standard, you're left with kind of unenjoyable football, I think for many people and almost like a constant bitch session for all that is wrong <laughs> yeah. instead of enjoying what is right. And I'm just wondering for Ohio State football in general, like as fans, are you do you enjoy this, or is the <laughs> or is the standard too high even to find it enjoyable? Yeah, uh, you know what? So we, I wrote on the uh, the Dubcast post last week. I was like, you know, Ohio State is technically in the college football playoff conversation, but maybe not necessarily in terms of practicality or rationality. Should they be considered part of it? Yeah. Just because you know that they're not that great. Uh, and some people are really upset by that. And it's, you know, like, I get it. Like, you want Ohio State to be in the college football playoff. You want them to have a shot at winning. And I don't, I mean, I get that mentality. Like, I'm not hating on that. That's a fair point. You know, a lot of people wouldn't have put Ohio State real high on their list of teams that could win, you know, the in 2014. But in my opinion, you've got to be able to enjoy the things as they come. And I don't, you know, you look at the Michigan State game and you could point out all kinds of things where you're like, man, this team's got so much that it needs to figure out and to do. I think that was a quality win. I was okay with the Michigan State win. There's not like from just an enjoyment standpoint, it wasn't maybe the most exciting game. But I think to a rational standard of success, that was a pretty good win. And I'm just kind of yeah. rolling with it for the rest of the season on that kind of basis. If they if they end up winning a national championship, I will be ecstatic, and I'll think that's the most insane thing in the history of the universe. But that's not my baseline for this team. And I, I think what you have to do from a season-to-season basis is really take a hard look at the team that you have and go, what is a reasonable expectation by the time November rolls around that this team can accomplish? And then base your hopes and dreams on that as opposed to this mythical, you know, standard that really is almost impossible for any program to live up to. Yeah, it, it is. I, I think it is. I think y- you have to be able to do that. I, I don't know that. How many Buckeye fans do you think do that? I don't because know. <laughs> the majority that I've talked to this year are just are like borderline angry about right. what this team has been this year. And I, I keep saying to myself I, and I say to them, Look, I mean, you know, they're, they're not where they need to be defensively. That we haven't figured out how to run the ball the way that we would have liked. But at the same time, like you're nine and one. Yeah. Like you're going to, you know, beat Maryland, beat Michigan, and you're going to beat Northwestern. And you're either going to go to the college football player if you're going to go play in the Rose Bowl and right. chase win number 13. So, I mean, either way, it's pretty good. And, um, and I think that because 
because that because Bama's out there and it's you know you try to be you're trying to be Bama or be that to that level and nobody in the history of the college of college football has been to that level that they're at and so it's almost this this thing that's unattainable that you're grading yourself against and it's this Michigan State game was a great example of it I think I mean you you win this game you know 26 to 6 it's sloppy for much of it it's um Michigan State just cannot move the football I mean they're incapable <laughs> no of moving the football and they just totally did bail on the run. I mean, they're almost for all the things that Dino does. That's trestle. This is what he does. That is anti-trestle. Like he will quickly bail on the run. They've done it a lot this year. They've just stopped running the football. And I don't know if, if the, re- I don't know what the reason is because they're in these games. They were in this game. They were in the Michigan game. Um, and they just, you know, they stop it and they put it in the hands of those two quarterbacks, neither one of which is very accurate. And so the defense makes a step forward, but I don't know if it did because, Michigan State is so bad offensively. <laughs> Conversely, offensively, um, the Ohio State offense, I mean, Haskins, again, you know, this is another kind of step sideways or sort of back from what he certainly hasn't played, you know, as well as he played the first six, seven, eight games of the eight games a year, the last couple. It's been a step sideways or backwards for him. And, and I don't know what's all going on there. And then this, this insistence on running read option with him, and he refuses to run it. <laughs> and it's a little bit on them and it's a little bit on him. Like if they're going to keep calling it, he's got to keep it every once in a while, once right. out of, you know, once a half, he's got to keep it. I mean, I think he could pick up 15 yards, just backpedaling. I don't think there's any, no one's even, even acting like he's going to keep it now. You know, yeah. it's been that way for a month. So like, if they're going to continue to do that at some point, he's got to just, you know, keep it. Fake yeah. The, the, the O is kind of the operative yards. part. The O is kind of the operative part of the RPO. I think you gotta, yeah, you actually you have, have to have the option. I mean, yeah. that's gotta be a part of it. So, um, you know, but so that, is, that doesn't change. The one thing that I was, I was actually in, initially in the moment, I was pleased with the Tate Martell development because it, it if this, if we're going to insist on playing, you know, this, this, uh, this read option, then we need to have a quarterback who can run it and he can. And there, that gave life, I think, to the red zone. But in retrospect, I wasn't happy about that because I think that that was something I think that's something you're going to need against Michigan because I don't think you're going to be able to block their front. So right. I think you're going to have to be able to run it with the quarterback. And I think Tate's going to have a big role in that game running the football in the red zone. Um, and so now, you know, Michigan's seen that. I mean, we haven't seen Tate in a, two months <laughs> and then we we see him at Michigan State. Um, so I guess I'm no different than anybody else. I I'm fine. I'm left with a lot of questions and trying to remind myself of the positives and, and the fact of, of what they are, that all these things are in front of them. And I think if you asked urban to a man, he'd probably be in the same boat as the rest of us, that, that there's some frustration for him based on what he believes this team could be. And I think you see it some in his press conferences. And I think you've seen it for much of the year to the point where a couple of weeks ago, he actually had to address it. Um, but it's it's an interesting spot that that you're in, and there's there this has been a this has been a really weird season for me, Johnny. I yeah. um, chronicling it daily now, you know, doing the radio show again daily in Columbus, you know, to kind of chronicle it daily has been a real adventure, and it's it's been hard <laughs> to hard hard to make sense, and it, it does feel like a cloud's been over this season really from the beginning of the year. I think, I mean, like I said, it, to me, it's really how you're setting expectations and, and what you what you want. And, you know, when it comes to personnel, I, I think there's, a, a, you know, there's a limit to what you can do there. I mean, obviously, Brennan White's been a really great boost to the defense in a lot of ways, just in terms of energy and, and making tackles and all that kind of stuff. But I also think that sometimes uh, fans and coaches fall 
victim to this mentality that like there's always a fix. There's always something that you can do that will make the team magically great. And, and part of that comes from the fact that I think, you know, Ohio State recruits so well that people expect these guys to basically require minimal coaching and minimal scheme and just go out and just beat the hell out of everybody. And I don't think that's the case. I, I think there are some systemic problems that they have to address that they didn't address in the offseason. And you're kind of getting, you know, what you get if you don't make wholesale adjustments. I mean, the Tate Martell thing, I love the fact that they put him in because it worked. And I think he is, you know, an incredibly dynamic football player. I also think that it's a total capitulation to the idea that they can't figure out a way to run the ball without a running quarterback. (laughs) So, I mean, and like, and I'm okay with that. It's fine. Look, look. If they couldn't figure it out at this point in the season, if they couldn't figure out a way to create creative running plays without a running quarterback, then they're not going to. And so you might as well put in Tate Martell and it worked and that's fine. So I, you know, I just, I would tell people that are watching Ohio State football that you just kind of have to take what you're getting and hope that they can improve on what they've shown as opposed to suddenly becoming a different team this late in the season. They're not going to, they're, they're going to have to improve on what they have, but they're not going to create something, you know, wholesale that we haven't seen before. That's going to magically make them, you know, a challenge to Bama or something overnight. It's not happening. So they got to get really good at what they do. And I thought I saw a little bit of improvement against Michigan state and against the team that is pretty good at, um, defending the run in Michigan State, that might be a you know bit of an understatement. Uh, they did, they had some success. They did okay. So yeah, did. you know, the, I just want to take positives away from this while also keeping yeah. in mind that you know they're not one great game away from being you know a Bama beater. That's not happening. They, you got to see a lot more improvement over the next month or so before you even approach that uh, level. Yeah, the cool thing is, is we are all but assured, and we'll get to Maryland, you know, coming up a little bit later in the show. But um, you're all but assured of an Ohio State Michigan game with big stakes. Oh yeah, which is awesome. and we haven't had one in a while. I mean, we're right. we're gonna get we're gonna get Ohio State Michigan as it used to be. Um, you know, you're gonna get that. So I'm excited for that because Michigan. So Michigan's got Indiana this week, and and mm-hmm. we've got Maryland and Michigan. You know they're they're not going to stumble. They're they're too comprehensive on defense. There's just no chance they're going to stumble. So they're going to roll into here in two weeks, and they're going to be uh, formidable. And they'll be a favorite. It'll be the first time in a long. I mean, Urban's never been an underdog in the game, and it's probably been since Fickle's year that Ohio State's been an underdog in the game. And that was imagine. one of maybe one in the last fifteen years where Ohio State's been an underdog <laughs> in the game so probably not this will like be 2004 or so honestly yeah i would say probably i mean we're just i'm just guessing i'm just thinking of this up top of my head my guess is the fickle year and then 2004 would be the yeah two in the last 20 years which is crazy. not much yeah, yeah not much <laughs> where the, where they've been the favorite whatever it ends up being um one more thing i want to get to I, I mentioned that cloud and a lot of it manifests in zach smith's twitter feed um <laughs> I, I i had a struggle with this i'll run this by you because i I I don't like on on the radio show. I didn't really want to talk about it much. I felt it had to be acknowledged because it kind of crossed over into the football program. I tend to ignore what he does by and large, sure. um, and I didn't mention the specific allegations. Um, that but if you're listening to this and you care, you've already seen it anyway. But I didn't I didn't feel any need to give it to lend it the allegations credibility. And frankly, if the, even if they're true, it doesn't really matter to me because it, it's between, you know, Tom Herman and his wife and it's got nothing to do with anything else. Um, right. So until Zach, uh, you know, does, 
put something on the record that is, you know, referencing NCAA violations or more importantly, breaking the law at that point, it'll be a little bit different. Um, I think that the one thing with this, this guy is that's scary is that he has nothing to lose. It appears in his mind, he doesn't, I would say, I would argue with that. You have a great deal to lose. You have two kids on your, you know, on your Twitter profile. And I would think that, that that would be all I would be doing if I was in his shoes, but I'm not. And so he's choosing to live this all out publicly and appears to be behaving, you know, like a six-year-old, like, <laughs> well, if it's going to happen to me, it's going to happen to everybody. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't see any positive to any of this. I don't see this ending well for anybody. And I would be, of con- I would be concerned if I had ever worked with him in the past and I had done something that was below board because my guess is all of it's coming out the way that he's behaving at this point. And I don't know if anybody can stop him, Johnny. Yeah. I mean, he, it's hard for me to be kind of glib about this because I think Zach Smith has some pretty serious demons that he's working out through social media, which I like, agree. that's not good. That's, that's bad for everybody involved. Um, you know, I'm the stuff that he said about Tom Herman. I don't know whether it's true or not. I mean, it might be, who knows? I really have no information or clue, frankly, uh, putting it out there is super trashy and, and garbage, but I understand why Zach Smith feels that, you know, that's his move because he feels he was wronged and, and, you know, his stuff was put out in the public forum and he believes that it's, it's because of the Hermans and, you know, this is his way of retaliating. But I, I think for him, at least for Zach Smith, the reason why he's doing this is because he's trying to level the playing field on you know in a game that nobody's really playing anymore and and that's what i think is so that's weird it. about that's it. a great point right because this is this is something that he's continuing that i think everyone else has re- largely moved past uh you know passed on and it's you know i guess if you're a texas fan or something like that this might have some kind of relevance to you but it's it's not something that i think anybody really cares about that much anymore as if as far as it relates to zach smith this whole thing was never about zach smith and that's why I think like, of course it was, but that's not why people were paying attention. And yes. I think what he doesn't understand is that's it's not really, you know, it, it is about him, but he's not really the story. And no. if nobody cares case, about him. And so if he's trying to litigate this on social media, he's going to find out real quickly that people aren't going to care. And it's just going to be all about the drama. And honestly, people who are rubbernecking because he's calling out other coaches and stuff and, sharing you know these these details about things that he supposedly knows it's not because people have this righteous indignation and they want to see that the truth be told they're they're just watching a car wreck and that's a really crappy thing to put both yourself and your loved ones through and i would just hope that if there is some kind of legitimate beef between him and herman they can just settle it privately and you know you mentioned his kids and stuff put that put them forward and 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 think about your decisions based on what's best for them, because I don't know that any of this is best for any of these guys. So yeah, that's, that's basically my opinion on it. I understand why we got to talk about it, but it's not, Yeah, he's not, he's not the central part of the story. He's not why people were talking about it all summer and no. why they're reporting it. And I think he has to understand that. So yeah, I, I don't think he will. I, 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 I everything you said either. is on point. Everything you said is completely on point and, and I don't think he will. And, um, he, the thing that he's not seeing about this and maybe he has vengeance against Ohio state too. He probably does. Um, is that this all falls at, is going to fall at urban's feet. Yeah. Like urban was asked about it today. So, right. and he, he'll continue to be every time 
he does these things. And maybe that's what he wants. I mean, maybe he feels vengeful for that too. So, um, but there's just, there's no way for this to end well. And I, I'm with you on the, I, I, I take, I think he does have very serious issues, very serious. Yeah. And um, I, I, I don't think it's, I don't know. The way it's playing out is just so unseemly and sordid and salacious. And I just, I don't have a whole lot of interest in it, but I know that people would be curious our thoughts on it. So I uh, thought we thought we should probably do it. Still to come, we'll take a look at Maryland and also ask us anything. We'll hear from you. But first, Colin Haas Hill on the basketball bucks. We will do yes. that coming up next. Before we do that, though, be sure to visit 11 Warriors for dry goods, shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Drygoods.11warriors.com. All right, time to talk a little hoops here on the Dubcast with our buddy Colin Hasshill, who's new to the team and and covering the hoop team for us. Uh, first of all, you're how so you graduated from Ohio State, yep. but uh, so how how long have you been around the basketball program, Colin? Yes, I mean I've been I've been covering the team for the last few years. I was with yeah. the student TV station, the student paper last year. I was a sports editor, so got to see oh, Chris Holtman rise as first person and. Uh, quite a year he had last year and to be honest um i didn't come in with as much expectations this year but i think we've all seen that <laughs> maybe we're all recalibrating it right now <laughs> yeah I, I think that's what i want to start with because it, you know i i always go back i think it's one of the most impressive coaching jobs you know that i've ever seen i, I put it very close to what urban did his first year uh going 12 and 0 what what holtman did in year one because if you think about the fact that he he just he didn't even know those guys until june Right. And then somehow he gets him to play that way. He gets, you know, a Big Ten player of the year uh, performance out of Cada. And he had great leadership with Jay Sean and everybody. But then as impressive as that was, then he now all of a sudden he's got to do it with with this team. And he's a little bit behind in recruiting. He's he's they're obviously recruiting at a high rate in the coming seasons. Um, But he, he had to jump on a moving treadmill on that front. And then he decides to play Cincinnati. And and for someone who's been around the program for as as long you know ten plus years as I have, um, that made that just warmed my heart that that he would be willing to go down to Cincinnati and open a building and and give them you know that type of opener. I, I just think he's I don't feel like I don't think he's missed on anything since he's had this job. It's it's really incredible how well he's done out of the gates. Yeah, I remember one of the first events that, Hol- that Chris Holtman had when he had a bunch of, I think it was season ticket holders, and and, and he was having a Q and A, and someone asked, someone asked, "Are you going to schedule Ohio teams and have sort of what Butler did, where they play Indiana and a bunch of Indiana schools?" And Chris Holtman, it seemed to spark an idea there, and it was funny leading up to the Cincinnati game. He was sort of like, "Well, don't don't really know." Uh, whether it was a good idea now that we're just a couple of days ahead, but we're, we're going to go <laughs> ahead with it. And turns out it, I mean, it was quite a performance. I, I really didn't, I didn't anticipate, um, I haven't anticipated their offense being as good as, as it's been, because I think we all know that they lost Kata, they lost Jay Sean, even, even Cam and Andrew Dockett had their moments. Um, and you come in this year and with Micah gone, they had two guys who averaged more than three points a game last year. And I mean to beat Cincinnati right off the bat with the defense that they have, it, it was it was quite a performance. Yeah, well, that's actually what I want to talk to you about real quick because I mean we we know that we know that Chris Holtman is more meticulous than a forensic officer. That's been clearly established. Um, <laughs> but 
But what I want to know, like what really separates him in terms of his coaching apart from maybe what we saw in Armada? How is he able to, especially in the offensive end, as you kind of mentioned, get his teams playing up to the level that maybe people didn't quite expect from guys, especially after all those losses? I mean, it's, it, I feel like I'm about to go coach speak on you, but, no, but it's something, it. there's, there's something with like buy-in and commitment. And, and, and it, it reminds me of Purdue Fort Wayne's coach said something about that on their defensive end. I think he used the word committed like three or four times in his post game interview, because it's just true. You see it, you see a team playing like a team. And I think that that's tough. Um, especially when you have so much new guys, but the way Holman has sort of seamlessly transitioned from last year to this year, he transitioned into last year seamlessly and, and, and to lose the guys that they lost and come into this year. And I think you knew that Kato was going to be the, or not Kato, <laughs> they wish uh, Kayla was going to be right. the player that, that he's been and CJ was going to have to make a step up. But then do you know what you really have with Dwayne Washington and Luther Muhammad? And I think, they hoped that Keyshawn Woods would be a double-digit point scorer, but there were a lot of questions. And, and just the way that he's got everyone to sort of buy into the system is, is, is what separates him at the moment. Yeah, it's a program. I mean, he's, he's building a uh-huh. program, and you, you see it in the way that, you know, they have a style of play. I think for so long, especially the last, you know, couple of years of, of Mata, once, once Aaron Kraft's tenure ran out, um, and I just say that because Aaron started for four years. So it was kind of like, um, you know, from Evan Turner, you know, his probably sophomore year through through Aaron Kraft's senior year, there was a, there was kind of a style. And then there there wasn't. And I didn't even know what the identity of the Ohio State basketball program is. And, and in a year and two games, it's very clear what the identity of Chris Holtman's Ohio State basketball program is. And, and that's culture. And that's that's how you build a program. And it's it's the little things that he's doing with you know, the new, what they've done with the practice facility and just the way that they've kind of fancied up the building. It reminds me a lot. And he's got Scooney Penn there who knows the history is a hall of famer and a great friend of the program. And, and it seems like they have a real touch on the pulse that they have the pulse of, of, of the history of the organization and they pay homage to it. It appears all the time. And it looks like they're going to wear a throwback uniform here in a couple of weeks. He says he's opening to play open to wants to play games at St. John on the reg. So, I mean, it seems like everything he's doing is is hitting. And when you talk about, you know, committed on the defensive end in, in your specific example, it's also committed to a way of, do, of building a program and, and what a program can be. I say all of that to get to this. When, when I was thinking about this season and I was thinking, I always think it's important to set an expectation to judge the team against. So, for example, for the Ohio State football team going into every year, I set the expectation based on the roster. I look at it. And for this one, I said, look, college win the Big Ten college football playoff. And that's what it is most years with Urban. Um, for this basketball team, I thought, you know what? Bubble team, whether they make the tournament or get to the NIT, just be very firmly on the bubble, whether you get in or get out. And that would be a satisfying season to me. You had mentioned that we need to maybe recalibrate. What did you initially have this program at this year? What was your expectation for this team this year? And what is it after a couple of games? Yeah, so it's it's one of those things where we've watched two games. So (laughs) so how much recalibrating (laughs) do I want to do? But like I saw Andy Katz earlier today, he had Ohio State as preseason being 12th out of 14 teams in the Big Ten. After two games, you put them 22nd in the country. So I think, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's reasonable at this point because we've seen what Chris Holman did with the team last year, and all of a sudden they were, they're, they're winning these two games at the way that they've done it. And it's sort of like, well, we've seen them do this before. Who's going to bet against them right now? 
Um, so my expectation was sort of similar to you coming into the season. It's a bubble team. I if they make it, well, Chris Holtman's Chris Holtman was a wizard last year. I I I feel like he can do it again. But if they don't, it sort of makes sense. They don't they don't have a ton of returning pieces. But right now, I don't know. I feel pretty confident that they're going to make the tournament. Um, the height of this team's potential, I, I don't I don't totally know yet. Um, I think we'll know a lot more once we get into Big Ten play. Um, but I, but I like what we've seen at the at the at the moment from them because they're just doing. They're the offense is is, is like I like I said earlier. It, it's I knew that CJ and CJ and Caleb were going to play well, but Dwayne and Luther, um, the, the, those freshman guards are two of the most confident freshmen I've ever seen. Um, and Dwayne Dwayne is a great shot, and Luther's super super active on on both ends, and and I like him um, off the bounce. Well, you kind of you talked about this, you know, just kind of naming these guys. And, and one of the things I remember, I actually got to meet Chris Holtman um, before he even started last season. And we were talking a little bit about just the team in general and what he expected. And I asked him, I was like, you know, who on this team do you think is going to be, uh, you know, the guy that everybody you know, that Ohio State fans are really going to focus on? You know, who's, who's going to be the guy that's going to take all that? And then, of course, it ended up being Kata Bates-Diop, who just, you know, had a great season. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to ask you the same question. Who is the guy, especially after the losses that they had last season, who's the guy that's going to be kind of the fan favorite, who's going to emerge as someone that, you know, maybe people who are just kind of trying to get back into loving Ohio State basketball, uh, that they're going to gravitate towards? It's, it's going to be Luther. Um, yeah. He just plays with some sort of energy and fire that, that, that everyone sort of wants to be around. Everyone wants to have that guy on their team, and I don't think everyone wants to play the way he does. Because he plays in a way where I think opponent he gets under opponent skins. He does he does that on purpose. He loves to do it. There's nothing that makes him happier. And Chris Holman said after last game that's that's why they recruited him. He used an example. They they went they went to watch him in AU at 8 a.m. and he is playing full court defense on the other team. He's the only guy in the gym doing that. And that's the kind of guy that he's gonna be. Um, he's he's and he's not just that attitude guy where. I don't know. He he's gonna do that, but he can't really. He doesn't have the skills to back it up. I think he has a really intriguing skill set too, because he is super athletic, um, and he sort of he he makes he makes smart decisions with the ball. I I think a lot a lot of the time. Of course, like a, again, we're two games into the season, <laughs> but right. um, but I like him off the bounce too. He, he he's really quick, and he and the interesting thing about Ohio State is they're gonna play three or four guards together. So Luther's going to get a lot of time. Dwayne's going to get a lot of time. Um, Keyshawn's going to get a lot of time. But but Luther's the one that I think people are going to fall in love with. Colin, this was great. Thanks for the time. Your debut on the Dubcast. We do appreciate you, buddy. Absolutely. I'd love to do it again. I want to remind you, don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter. Also, rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. It is Maryland week. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, this is This will be the most tepid environment that we have stepped this is going to be a home game i really believe it um the maryland for and look at i don't blame them but the the support there for that football program is gone it's gone i don't know if you've ever the only reason i even know this is because my my partner laurenitis has called some of these games and i'll paratroop into one to just see how he's going how it's going for him and i'll (laughs) see the stands and it looks like there's 1500 people there right i mean it's done and this is my this is my favorite Big Ten road trip, traditional Big Ten road trip is Maryland. Um, and I say that a little tongue in cheek and also in earnest because I love DC. Yeah. And 
I love the history there and I love the restaurants and the hotels and the, I love to be able to fly into Reagan. It's my favorite airport in the world to fly into and see all the monuments and you land and away you go. And, um, if, if I were like, and their stadium's cool, their, their, their university's cool that I would highly recommend this. Like you're not going to get a great atmosphere, but you're going to get a great seat in a, in a stadium and you're going to be one of many thousand Buckeye fans there because everybody on the Eastern Seaboard is going to use it as the game they go to. And you get to go to D.C. So, I mean, it's a win all the way around. Um, but th- this will be an Ohio State home game on Saturday. And this is a program that, my God, y- you talk about what it has been through this year. And, um, you know, the missteps of a couple of week- weeks ago of bringing Durkin back and then firing him a day later and, um, it's just a mess. It's it's an absolute mess of a program at the moment. Uh, the team, to my surprise, has played inspired at times, and they've got some dangerous people that could make this game a little bit interesting. I, I tend to not think that it'll be interesting in the second half, but I do think they can hang around for a little bit in the first half, and they might hit a couple of home run balls because they have some athletes on the perimeter, but it's not a game I'm worried about, and I think by and large, it's just a game where you just got to get in it, get in it and get out of it healthy and get ready for Michigan. Well, I was about to say, it's, it, Maryland's kind of a fascinating team in a lot of ways just because they have, you know, since Dirk and got canned, they, they've been, you know, just really up and down a lot of ways. I mean, you, you said, you know, obviously that they've got some athletes, which they do, uh, but they just are such a weird kind of mystery in a lot of ways because, you know, it's it's such disarray uh, at Maryland in terms of, you know, just administration and coaching and everything else that it's it's almost kind of fascinating to see what kind of team might actually show up and play Ohio State. I mean, for them, you know, this could be a state, you know, where like, okay, this is where we're going to circle the wagons. We're going to try to make our best effort of the season, you know, try to salvage something. They're five and five, so technically they can become bowl eligible, which is something they might, you know, be gunning for. But, yeah, it's, it's a really weird thing that, you know, they <laughs> they they destroyed Illinois they lost to Michigan State. They lost a close one to Indiana. I mean, they're they're reeling a little bit, but it's just such a, a weird situation. Um, you know, it's not necessarily the player's fault. The administration made every single possible wrong move with handling the DJ Jerkin situation. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see which team shows up because honestly, I have no idea. I have no idea. They could they could try to give Ohio State a game for a half or so, or they could come up, you know, come out completely uninspired and say, screw it season's about over let's just get this over with and lose by 50 i have no idea what's going to happen yeah no you i i don't i tend to think that it would be you know if they kids have been that, that squad's been through so much I, yeah. I would think i would think that this would be like could be like a real season defining win and that there would be momentum for them early i would think it would be disheartening when they get out there and they see it mostly being scarlet and gray in their home stadium i think that would be tough and let the unless there's some sort of rally for the team that i'm unaware of and even then i think it would fall mostly on deaf ears it's a noon kick right so which is hard not like this yeah that's brutal anyway for them so it's and even I, I, I was at the first Big Ten game ever played at Maryland. Ohio State played Maryland in 2014. I was there, and he, even that game, and they were pretty excited about it in terms of the actual campus. Greater DC at large didn't couldn't possibly care less, but the um, but the the school itself was pretty excited about it, and it was probably six fifty fifty sixty forty. Um, and I would give the advantage maybe is right probably more Buckeyes. I would say slightly more Buckeyes than than Terps, but and that was then. You know, when they were, that was Stefan Diggs and their first Big Ten game. And so I can't imagine what it'll be. So they'll, they'll be 
I think it's important for Ohio State to really get after them early and and not let them think that they can hang around because and I don't blame them at all, but I th- I think this could be a throw in the towel situation for Maryland if this thing started to run away from them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think if Ohio State starts to get a little momentum in the second quarter, or so it's that'll be pretty much it. I don't I don't see the team uh, really t- picking themselves up and going, okay, let's let's go to the mat for the third round, you know, for right. the third quarter and try to score some points and make it interesting. I don't really see that happening. Uh, you know, they've like I said, they've got some athletes. They got a running back who's pretty good, uh, but that doesn't necessarily lend itself to the type of game I think they would have to play against Ohio State. If they're gonna if they're gonna beat Ohio State, it'd be like a shootout type situation. This is not gonna be some kind of dis- defensive struggle that you saw against Michigan State. And I really don't think Maryland's equipped to do that. So, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those games where you start looking ahead towards the Michigan game, you know, towards the end of the yep. the end of the second half. And people will be talking about that and the announcers will be talking about that because there probably yep. won't be a whole lot of action on the field and get everybody hyped for Michigan week. So, I, you know, I don't want to look too far ahead, but it's also I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of this. You know, this will really be the biggest, I think, most meaningful Michigan game in a while in terms of consequences uh, for both yep. teams. And it's going to be hard not to be thinking about that if Ohio State is up by three or four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely so. That's 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 where my mind gets. It'll be Urban Meyer's job to make sure it's not where his team mind, mind get until at least deep into the fourth. Uh, we have time for a few Ask Us Any Things. Do you have any my, this week, my friend? We do, and if you guys would like to ask us anything, please continue sending us these excellent questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast. This first one's from our good friend Alvin, and he wants to know uh, what comes first, the next Ohio State football playoff appearance or the next Ohio State basketball Sweet 16 appearance? I think the odds would be in favor of the Ohio State football playoff appearance Yeah, because I, I think that, that you're. I don't think it's that hard beat Maryland, beat Michigan, which will be tough, but certainly doable. Beat Maryland, beat Michigan, beat Northwestern. And <laughs> I think you're going to be there because I, I think what, what very likely will happen is that, that uh, Oklahoma and West Virginia will cancel each other out. Um, in other words, they'll both have two losses. Mm-hmm. And then it would just be a matter of, would you be able to hold off Washington State which you would because your brand's better than theirs. And then potentially would you be able to hold off, you know, a two loss Georgia, if Georgia's two losses are at LSU and to Bama at close in the sec title game. And I think you would. So I, I think that, um, you know, Ohio state playing in the playoff is pretty decent chance. I think, I mean, part of, I would agree with that. And, and my reasoning is just that getting to the sweet 16 is no, you know, easy skates. Like that thing's hard to do, right? Like it's, it's not something yeah. you, we got so used to it with that motto, like, okay, this guy's got a chance to get to the final four every year, but like, it's hard to get to the sweet 16. That is a difficult thing to do, especially in a tournament like the, like March madness. So I would, I would agree. I think just the way the recruiting has been setting up the past several years, I, I think next year, Ohio state football will be improved. I think they'll make some changes, uh, both personnel wise and, and coaching wise. And I think that they'll, you know, you'll see a team that, Again, if they win the Big Ten, they're essentially in the college football playoffs. So, yeah, I, I would put my money on uh, on the football getting there before the basketball. Uh, this next one, this is from Nelson. He just has a question about uh, about uh, uh, punting and, and fair catching. Well, not punting necessarily, but kickoffs. Why does the return man just let – why don't they just let the ball drop instead of a fair catch? It, it seems like it's just an opportunity for a mistake. Have people had some difficulty adjusting to these new 
kicking uh, rules. Well, I suppose the reason that they catch it is it's a then it's not a live ball. Right. So if they right. don't catch it, like <laughs> the football takes a lot of weird bounces. So if they don't catch it, if they don't fair, if they don't catch fair catch it, then and the ball drops, I guess there's always a chance that it could go back into the field to play, and then it's a live ball. So right. I think very simply that's why they do that. Yeah, I, I think it's just one of those things that they kind of need to. I don't know. It's, you it's catch it. If you don't catch it, I understand what he's saying. Like, there's no real gain to catching it in the end zone, right? But anything outside the end zone, you don't want to get know, a situation. You, you don't want to get a situation where it's like the world's longest onside kick, right? That right uh, yeah. that victimized. <laughs> yeah, and a football bounces a million ways. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a football bounces a million ways. So you you can't leave that to chance. Yeah, I agree. All right, so that's one here. This is from Shaddy, uh, Shaddy uh, Buckeye Jammer on uh, on Twitter. You should follow him. Uh, one of my favorite things during the Meyer era is the way he says a senior to be announced last on senior day to get the biggest ovation. In the past, it's been John Simon, Braxton Miller. Who do you think it is this year? His bet is on McLaurin or Campbell. Hmm. And he said he would guess after hearing Urban say he would name his child after Terry McLaurin that it would be. Uh, the DeLorean himself, McLaurin. The only thing I wonder about is like, usually Ur- he's great. This is true. Urban does this. It's usually great. It's usually also somebody that for sure is going to have a huge ovation. Right. I mean, those two guys would make the most sense, wouldn't they? I'm trying to think on across the rest of the table. There really isn't anybody else that every, there's so many underclassmen on this team. Right. <laughs> I think so, it'd have to be, yeah, I actually think it would be, Paris just based on total production and, and you know how much he's contributed in years that you know maybe the wide receivers weren't that great I personally think it's gonna be Paris but you know I think Terry would be a good choice as well either one of those guys yeah and you know Paris is an Ohio kid I think they like to do that right. if they can the the most emotional one of all time was Johnny Simon Limpin. yes I mean yep. it was I'm, I'm pretty steel-hearted and that one welled up my eyes pretty good when I know what that kid went through to play in that game and to see him you know limp out there and drag his leg along um so yeah i it's it's interesting because in in other so many other years it was very obvious who it was who it would be and this year i think it's it's there's not there's not a star senior you know there's not like a lockdown star senior so it's a little trickier but i think he's you know it'd probably be one of those two guys it's cool i I love it Uh, so guys, that's, uh, that's ask us anything. Thanks for sending those in and continue doing so, especially as we ramp up towards, you know, Michigan week and so on, and, uh, we'll keep answering them. So thanks for sending those in. All right. Good stuff. Uh, good stuff out of you next week. We will break down the Maryland victory and look ahead (laughs) to a, to the game, uh, with consequence, big consequence. I can't wait to do it. Uh, looking forward to it, my friend. I'll talk to you then. Yep. Talk to you then.